Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that, much like our new T20 World Cup champions, can fly under the radar most of the time and then deliver in crunch moments. I'm your host, Benny, and this week, me and fellow co-host Mike were joined by Cricket foes Shashank Kishore. We spoke with Shashank about the role of the coach in modern cricket and all the different hats they have to wear when it comes to preparing their players in this frenetic era of T20 cricket. And of course, we talked quite a bit about Ravi Shastri. There is a lot we covered, and we'll get right to it. But first, here's a message from one of my favorite podcasts. Let's play a rapid-fire round, shall we? Manager or Chabol? Chabol. Chabol. Manager. Fantasy or historical? Fantasy. Fantasy. Fantasy? Love triangle or two lead couples? Two lead couples. Love triangle? Two lead couples. Throw water on face or kimchi slap? Throw water on face. Throw water on the face. Kimchi slap. Time leap or memory loss? Memory loss. Memory loss any day. Memory loss. Are you wondering what are we talking about? So why don't you join us? The awesome foursome. Sangeeta, Poonam, Uma and Meenal on their fun new podcast, Crash Landed on K-Dramas, where we shall take you through the joy ride that is the K-Drama world. Anio! So we have with us today uh, Shashank Kishore. Uh, Shashank, thank you so much for joining the last wicket. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Benny. Uh, thanks, Mayank. It's wonderful to be on your show. So, Shashank, it, this is really a perfect time to be talking about the topic, you know, um, coaches, you know, the importance of coaches and coaching staff, uh, particularly in the international circuit, because um, anyone who's following the news, you know, obviously has been inundated, but with articles and interviews of Ravi Shastri, the outgoing coach of the Indian team, and also, I'm sure in the coming days and weeks, we'll hear and read a lot more about Rahul Dravid and his approach, you know, how it's going to be. And uh, so for good reason, you know, it's all in the news. Um, but as someone who's been following cricket for, you know, a, a long time, uh, let, you know, everyone knows about coaches and, you know, what, you know kind of uh, vaguely what their role is. Uh, but I, I remember, you know, once upon a time, Shane Warren had this, you know, he never had a very good relationship with his coach, John Buchanan. And I, I think Shane Warren either cheekily or probably, probably in all seriousness said, uh, you know, someone asked him, you know, what is a coach? And he said, you know, someone, a, a coach is what ferries the players from the hotel to the ground. That was the attitude of players like Shane Warren. Um, but it's also reflective, like, off the players themselves they back themselves to do their job on the field they don't really need any hand holding 
And to me, that indicates that the role of the coach is not often well understood. So, you know, back in back in the early days, uh, when coaching really started um, to be more prominent or more common, um, you know, coaches did pretty much everything, you know, running, you know, uh, training sessions, net practices. Now today with the advent of, you know, T20 cricket, the different formats, uh, you know, everything has been split up now and there are so many different facets to coaching. So from your observation, what is really the role of the coach in the modern era? I think I, I, think I can um, connect uh, straight away with one line that uh, Ramesh Pawar uh, told me, uh, and he's currently the coach of the uh, Indian women's team. Uh, mm-hmm. And he told me that his philosophy is don't show a player what they are, uh, show players what they can be. Uh, and right. I think that really sums up what uh, coaching at the international level is because when you come down to that level, um, much of your game is sorted. Much of your game is already refined to a stage where it is. So I think it's just about ironing out the minor uh, technical flaws or the mental game, as they call it, uh, at that level. So so I thought that line really connected really well with me and it kind of stood out among so many other things that he said. And uh, he told this to me at a point in time where he had just uh, uh, taken over as the Mumbai uh, coach. Uh, and they had had a disastrous T20 season, uh, the Syed Mushtaq Ali tournament, the domestic competition. They were knocked out. They w- lost four out of the five games. And then their previous coach resigned. So two days before the the one-day tournament started. Ramesh Pawar was in charge of the team, so so he had little to uh, little time to prepare. Um, so he just went with his instincts, and um, Mumbai went on to win the tournament under him. And it was soon after that tournament that he got picked as a uh, the coach of the Indian women's team. So it was a very short stint, but uh, much of what he said in that um, conversation kind of um, you know. Uh, made a lot of sense and uh, enlightened me so much about coaching and the possibilities of uh, modern day coaching. So, so that kind of that line kind of really um, was so powerful and so impactful that uh, it really resonated a lot um, into what modern day coaching is. And uh, I guess one of the things that comes to mind is um, recently I was reading Paddy Upton's um, uh, book about uh, coaching as well and his experience with the Indian team, the South African team. And one of the things that was very obvious is he was a very hands-off coach. He wanted players to take ownership. And obviously not every coach is like that. Um, But what's interesting is, uh, you know, in a a team, there's 15 different players who have 15 different working styles and no coach can really match every single one of them. Um, So I guess what's your take on that? I guess how how do coaches try to find that balance of being hands-off with people who understand their game very well versus somebody who's younger, um, who needs a little more hand-holding or as you said, you know, showing them what they can be, the vision. um, How how do they try to make that balance? Um, I think um, I spent close to a month, um, you know, watching Rahul Ravid closely during the uh, Under-19 World Cup in uh, 2018. This was the batch of players that uh, brought India, Prithvi Shah, Shubman Gill uh, and all these guys. And, um, you know, we used to be at training every day. Uh, we used to watch him go through his sessions and drills. And and obviously, you know, there were just about three or four Indian journalists uh, for the entire tournament. So he was pretty welcoming and, you know, he was happy to share his insights and thoughts and, you know, over a very casual coffee, uh, that kind of a setting uh, much later in the day. So, so, so when I watched him closely, there are two things that I um, observed. And one of the things that he said was, that um, at the under-19 level, when you're developing players to go to India A and the national level, hopefully, or even maybe the Ranji Trophy in the state level, you want to get players develop their own routines and understand what their own routines are and then step in to correct something if those routines are not working for them. And you want to give them that opportunity to develop those routines because if they don't do it at the India under-19 level, it's uh, unlikely that they'll do it at the India A level. So if you've got a set 
pattern that you kind of follow and that works for you before you make the cut at the national level, then you're better prepared to adjust and adapt to situations which you may not otherwise be. For example, he told me that um, Shubman Gill was somebody who, if he believed he was in good form, he did not want to spend much time in the nets ahead of a big game or a big match because he knew he was in that particular zone where he he kind of knew where he was coming from. He kind of knew the mental space that he was in. He knew the confidence that he was in. And he was alluding to the uh, semifinals and the finals of that tournament. So Shubman Gill had just made a century against Pakistan in the semifinals and India were to play Australia in the final. And there was, there was just a two-day gap between the semis and the finals. So the, the team had to travel. So one of the days was, was a travel day and the next day was a uh, optional training session. So Shubman Gill obviously did not train that day. So, so Rahul Dravid was like, that, that's absolutely fine. Some players don't want to train. Uh, it's not about really imposing my view on them, saying that, you know, this is the way it should be done. So it can't be my way or the highway. So if a player, even if he's 18 or 19 years old, understands that uh, he wants to take the day off, then so be it. It's his uh, ultimately, as coaches, you facilitate what a player wants. And if a player believes that an off is going to give him the best kind of preparation for that game, then that's that's the way it should be. If after the match, uh, if you probably felt that maybe there could have been an element to it that you could have discussed or decided, then you get to it at that stage. But at the preliminary stage, you let players develop routines for themselves because you don't want to be spoon feeding them all the time. So that was uh, the kind of philosophy that he uh, kind of practiced at the NCA and also at the uh, India under 19 level when he was coach and, you know, he delivered results. I mean, he was um, in, I think India made two finals. They won one and they lost one. So it was a pretty formidable record at the India under 19 level and also uh, at the India A level. Right. Now that, that makes sense. I, I think, um, once you reach a certain level, the expectation of, of knowing your game, knowing your routines is, is very important. Um, I, I guess the other aspect that um, I've always wondered, and, and I think um, Bharat Sundaration, who was covering India store to Australia last year, uh, beginning of this year, uh, was you know one of the few journalists who had access because of COVID. And he was mentioning that um, after Prithvi Shaw got dropped, and I think after the second test, Mayak Agarwal got dropped, um, what he noticed was Vikram Rathor and Ravi Shastri were spending the most amount of time with them if a net session was going on, and they were not as concerned about the Jinkaranes and, and you know, Rohit Sharma's of, of the team. And um, I think that also brings a very important aspect of a, a coach's role um, and just making sure the players who are not in the 11 are motivated, are ready to go. Um, and I think that's also an aspect that's not as well understood. I, I think most of the people think that coaches are focused on the 11, worried about team strategy, but it almost sometimes feels like they spend a lot more time on pe people who are not selected and how they're you know, going about with their development. Yeah, and that's an aspect that's not seen because that's not really um, you know, televised or it's not something that's really uh, the center of attention in the middle of a test match. And also, I think that's a very important thing uh, because uh, especially in uh, today's uh, situation where we're still probably in a pandemic world, um, where warm-up games are going to be far and few in between at all. So in the middle of a four or five test match series, you really want every member of your squad to be prepared in a position that they know that they, they could be asked to come in anytime, maybe the next test match or, or maybe a, a concussion replacement in the middle of a game. Uh, like what we saw with Manas uh, Labushain coming in for Stephen Smith in the middle of an Ashes Test match. So, so players got to be ready for uh, coming in at any point in time. So you've got to be mentally tuned yourself to to a way that you know that you should be able to perform from get go. So in that sense, preparing the reserves uh, who weren't part of the eleven was um, a no brainer. And I think they've done a fabulous job over the last two and a half three years because. Uh, over the years, when you whenever you talk to a player, it's it's they've always spoken highly about how the dressing room is always, you know, kept in a very very good space. They've always talked about how uh, every player is made to feel welcome, 
and and sometimes you 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 think to yourself if maybe they're just seeing it for the the stating the obvious and or, or are they seeing it for the sake of it so there are questions like that that come about but but when you actually see them go about the way they they hold their trading sessions when a test match is on it's the guys who are outside the field that get more attention than the guys on the field when you're preparing for a test match then you're preparing the 13 or 12 uh, that you believe is in the best place to you know start the following day so it's like a it's it's like switching on and switching off so when you when you're getting ready for the test match the 12 guys on your team sheet get the most preference in batting order or in bowling order so the openers bat in one net then you've got three and four and then they switch over to spin and pace and all those kind of things and then once once the test match starts uh and if the team is on the field then you know the others kind of get the attention and they they have the opportunity to go and work in the nets and it's important because i remember in the 2014 tour of england and it was a it was a long series of five test match series and india started pretty well they started with a draw and they won at lords they were leading 1-0 uh there was there was no opportunity in the middle of a in, in the middle of a tour to have warm up games so uh and india uh had an out of form opener in shikhar dhawan now in the reserves was gautam gambhir a senior player who has been dropped but obviously who hadn't scored much runs coming into the tour but but was picked on experience but again gambhir had no opportunity to translate his improved form into uh, match practice because there were no warm up games so they had to go by practice sessions he was brought in right in the middle of the tour uh, no games uh, no opportunity to have a hit came in and he just couldn't do much so i think the focus on the players off the field is as important as the 11 or 12 that are going to take the field and i think uh, uh, from what i've uh, heard and what i've um, read about i think the current uh, batch of outgoing coaches have done a, a terrific job in preparing the next set of players whether whether the decision of them being communicated properly whether they're playing whether they're out whether that was done properly is something um, we'll have to find out or something that we wouldn't just yet know because there have been quite a few cases where uh, players have felt that you know they probably needed to know where they stand but uh, you can't fault them for you know preparing them uh, in the right way right and it's and it's very important uh, you know what you're saying about you know players needing to know where they stand and because that affects because a player needs to be in a good space a good mental space to be on their best on their on the cricket field uh so any moment that they're called up and they're you know they're in the 11 they have to be ready to go um and i think it's best highlighted in t20 cricket or you know for the purposes of this discussion a tournament like the ipl you know a tournament where you know people get very frustrated with you know team selections why is this player in the 11 or why is this player not in the 11 and there is uh you know there's a lot of talk about oh look at this player has been sitting on the bench for this entire season and you know a team like chennai super kings you know they're a, a team that they have a, a a plan which they stick with for you know the entire season come what may and what that means is a lot of players can go seasons without getting a game um but still when you look at you know uh, the performance of csk you know they win titles and by all accounts they're a very harmonious team you know everyone whether it's on season or off season they're very loyal to the team and they you know they talk very highly about the way you know the coaches especially steven fleming um you know motivates the players who are not on the bench and we saw robin utappa even talk about that you know so how does this affect t20 cricket you know in, in that format of the game how much more important is the role of the coaches compared to you know the test matches or uh, like the one day internationals i think in uh, t20 cricket uh, especially in a tournament like the ipl where games come thick and fast i think it's important for the coaches to have uh, to be in sync with one the captain to the team analyst because the team analyst is the one who does all the number crunching and 
some coaches like uh, mahila jayawardhane for example uh, takes matchups pretty seriously he looks at data and numbers very seriously uh, and um, you know for him to be in sync with rohit on the same uh, i think is a is a massive thing and that's one of the reasons why mumbai indians have been uh, very successful because right. they believe that you know when ab devilliers comes on the bat against rcb they know uh, i mean against mumbai indians uh, they know that kunal pandya has probably dismissed him a handful of times and hasn't conceded too many runs and ab uh, clearly has fallen in the past to left arm spin so whether the match up's going to work in this game is something that we'll see but we give ourselves the best opportunity to get him out by bringing in a left arm spinner immediately in the first 10 balls so so those are the kind of match ups that uh, they go by so so it's important for the coach to be in sync with the captain on match ups and for numbers and data and it's also important for the captain and the coach to be in sync with uh, the playing 11 because at times if if that doesn't happen and, and it didn't happen uh, in rising pune super giant uh, for example in 2017 the season after which dhoni was asked to go as captain and smith took over as captain so you could clearly see that the sync between uh, smith and uh, fleming wasn't still the same despite which they went on to make the finals they lost the finals to mumbai again right. but but th- there were pockets during the season where you felt that certain players were not given the kind of role that they were uh, used to and whether that meant taking them out of their comfort zone or whether that meant uh, probably not understanding the roles of players because you're in an environment like chennai where you know and you can control certain things but when you go to another environment and in this case it was a new team that was just brought in for two years having new ideas the owners were different they had uh, they were looking at things differently so in the ipl it's not just about the team as such it's about the owners it's about the management group uh, and a lot of things at large so it's not always possible for a team to kind of go by what they think or they feel uh, example there's another team uh, i think the punjab kings they've had this problem over the years of uh, constantly chopping and changing not because of just the results but probably because they've got four or five owners there and each of them have one particular vision so each of them is thinking on different lines and obviously none of those thoughts resonate with the playing management and um, i think that was one of the reasons um, that led to sanjay bangar kind of uh, not enjoying his role and possibly stepping out so so there are a host of reasons in the ipl where uh, you know teams in and a, a team's not feeling you know in sync for some reasons beyond just cricket so so i think it's a it's a marriage of so many factors that come into the picture in the ipl that, but in uh, t20 cricket at large i think it's uh, it's purely driven by tactics and it's purely driven by uh, um, you know um, how quickly a player can recover from a particular game how you manage workloads of players um, how you get the best out of them um how strategically can you use one particular player like asif ali for example in the ongoing t20 world cup i mean he was been touted as the big hitting all rounder a uh, big hitter the six hitter nobody had seen much of him barring the pakistani audience or maybe the australian audience because he'd done wonderfully well in the psl but he he wasn't able to replicate the same kind of success with this kind of consistency at the international level and then he comes out uh, against afghanistan in a big game 24 of 12 boom four sixes wins the game and everyone's talking about him so so it's it's about using certain players in a specific way get, letting them know that uh, you know x factor players you got to give them a little bit of time and you got to give them a little bit of leeway because they may always not deliver the blockbuster results there may be a few um, failures along the way but with such players you've got to give them that space and you've got to make them understand that look that's absolutely fine i'm happy if you come come good once on three or four games and we've seen that with asif ali in this world cup for example you know that raises a good point because i've always felt that um when it comes to coaching and cricket of all the three formats that t20 cricket is probably the best suited for coaches um because i always think like and this might not be the best example so forgive me but you know if you look at football or basketball you know coaches are pretty much synonymous with the team like they're probably equal to the star players in terms of recognition in cricket that's not always the case you know in cricket you have like the star coaches you know like the shastris but then you know some of the other teams like 
their coaches would be some former player who probably played like two games for the for the team. They're very understated. They're very behind the scenes. Uh, but T20 uh, cricket, specifically franchise cricket, seems to be the one where because things are moving so fast, you need to be on it from ball to ball. Uh, whereas in test matches, like it can ebb and flow and, you know, the coach can just kind of be involved in training or a- anything before and after the game. But during the game, it's all up to the captain. But in T20, it just seems like the coach has a much more larger say. And when I see someone like a Mahela Jaiwardena or Stephen Fleming, the impact that they have on their teams, you know, that it's very big and it's on par with, you know, Rohit Sharma for the Mumbai Indians or Dhoni for CSK. Uh, the combination, which you just talked about, the synergy between the coach and the captain, it just seems to be perfect for that format. Do you think in, do you think this can be transferable to like the test, uh, the tests arena or the ODIs? Can someone like uh, Stephen Fleming or Ajay Wardena step up if they chose to uh, move on to the international, uh, you know, circuit, coach national team? Coach and across formats, do you think they would be able to bring that same level of, you know, whatever they bring to their T20 franchises right now? Or is it just, they're just the ideal or the perfect T20 coaches? Well, I think they've, they've flourished in um, the cricketing careers. I mean, they've, they've, they've had uh, stunning records in T20 cricket and one day cricket, test cricket. So, so they've adapted and they've, they've shown that they can do that. And that's one of the reasons why they were put into the, the job in the first place. So I don't think there's any reason why they can't replicate the same level of success uh, uh, onto the big stage. Uh, having said that, right. multiple coaches, multiple uh, players who've, of high repute who've been coaching in franchise leagues, um, you know, have gone on to say that, you know, uh, the two months of a tournament, is, it's just not the two months that um, where the uh, cricket happens. You're preparing for it like in the IPL, your preparation starts right from the time the next season, uh, the, the previous season finishes. And then you start preparing for an auction and then you start preparing for the draft. You decide what who are the players you want to shortlist. You decide who are the players are, who you've got and who are the backups you need for them. So it's just not the two months of cricket on the field. It's about in combined four or five months off the field. So they say that by the time you come down to the IPL season and finish the IPL season, you're so mentally drained because you've been thinking cricket, you've been thinking strategies, you've been thinking ideas, you've been thinking about executing them, you've been thinking combinations, you've been thinking matchups, you've been thinking right. numbers, you've been thinking data. So there's a whole lot of things that you've been thinking about and you're trying to manage uh, a lot of these factors all at the same time. Uh, it's like having about 25 tabs open in your laptop and you knowing which tab to exactly go to at what point in time. Uh, without uh, wasting time so 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 it's 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 a process of for about seven or eight months that culminates with the two months of the ipl on the field so so i know you know you, you were i'm sorry you, you know but you were you were you're just saying that right now and just earlier today you know um, I, I saw the news of sanjay bangar being appointed as the head coach of rcb and he was already talking about preparing for the auctions. And I was thinking the IPL just got over like a month ago. And, but for them, it doesn't stop. They, they are now thinking about the next year. And now they have to think about auctions. And then once that is done, then they have to think about the strategy for the upcoming season. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's like a never ending. It's like a treadmill. You just keep going and going. Yeah. So whether they have the bandwidth after all this to kind of take on another role, uh, as high profile as coaching a national team, that's something right. for them to decide. But I think on the face of it, I think it's a very, very challenging job. And that's one of the reasons why you don't see um, you don't see uh, too many of them do that. I mean, Jayavardhane right. coached Mumbai Indians at the IPL and he was with the Sri Lankan team, but he was there for just the first, uh, I think, one week of the competition as a consultant. And then he exited because he was citing bubble fatigue and he said that, you know, he'd been in bubbles for far too long and he'd not seen his family and stuff. So, he could just commit one month or one week of his time to uh, the Sri Lankan team there. So, so I think there's a reason why uh, coaches worldwide don't do that. There's a reason why franchises worldwide don't see value in, you know, bringing someone, you know, who's coaching an international team for the other time, uh, eight or nine months and get him into a franchise league for just those two months because it's high pressure environment and it's business at the end of the day. It's, 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 it's ruthless. I mean, you need performances in the end of the day to 
uh, you know, deliver and speak for itself. And I think you need, I, I mean, a lot has spoken about uh, players and, you know, their mental frame and their mental mindset and their um, preparedness and all that. I think the same thing holds good with coaches as well at this, at the modern day. Uh, you've, you've seen that with uh, even guys like Shastri and Co. I mean, they've been in bubbles for about six or eight months now, except that 20 days in between uh, the World Championship and the uh, uh, the start of the England test where they were off bubbles. But otherwise, they've been in bubbles for about a year now. So so they've just been jumping from one bubble to another. So I'm, I'm pretty right. sure Shastri must be feeling uh, very relieved to finally get out of one. So, <laughs> so yeah, there is a reason there. I mean, the mental pressures of the job, the challenges of the format, the preparations for the auctions and all the other things that we touched upon. I think all of these add to it. So it's, it's I mean, it's possible. But again, um, it's really, really hard in uh, today's uh, day and age. Right. I think we, um, you've already kind of touched upon it, but I'm also wondering what is a coach's role in terms of strategy and tactics? Um, again, I think it, it, to our point earlier, you know, some coaches are a lot more hands-on. And I think India had the experience of Greg Chappell, who had a lot of um, ideas, some brilliant, some, you know, didn't quite work out as well. Um, whether it was promoting Irfan Pathan to number three or, or you know, um, uh, so something as wild as that, uh, or, um, um, you know, some other ideas such as de demoting Sachin Tendulkar to number four, which obviously didn't work out because Sachin himself was not comfortable. Um, in recent times, we've seen Ravi Shastri pick up the phone and call Bharat Arun and say, hey, we want to cut out Australia's offside and in, in Border Gavaskar Trophy. And, and we all saw how that came to fruit and uh, how, how that was successful. Um, I guess what I'm trying to understand is how much of that strategy comes from the coach themselves, their experience, and how much from the T20 analysts, the players themselves, their inputs. Uh, I, I think it's obviously very hard to say for sure. And I think it varies team by team and you know, uh, depending on the coach's personality. Um, but I think for some of the strong coaches around the world, whether it's the Andy Flowers, um, whether it's the Ravi Shastris, I think they definitely have a very strong input in terms of strategy. Would you agree? I'm sure they have a strong input, but also uh, you need a coach, uh, you need a captain who is willing to take on those strong inputs. And I think I think that's one of the reasons or that's one of the areas where the, the uh, Kumble-Kohli partnership kind of didn't help because you had two big figures in Indian cricket, two absolute greats, one a legend, one, you say, I won't say legend in the making, but you know, he's almost there. Uh, both of them thinking cricket in different directions. One is focused on um, data and numbers. Kumble was big on uh, numbers and analytics and Kumble was big on trying to, you know, mix and match all that into his coaching style. Uh, Virat Kohli was more instinct driven. So you had two different uh, thought processes trying to combine into one dressing room and at the end um, it just didn't work out and you saw how short-lived that was so it was I think less than a year even though India delivered results under uh, Kumle uh, even though India won I think everything that they played under Kumle barring that one T20 match uh, in terms of a series that they lost in Florida against uh, the West Indies in a yeah. high uh, high scoring game uh, so barring that I think they 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 had won pretty much everything else. So while there were results to speak of, I think the direction in which, and of course they lost the Champions Trophy finals. Uh, so, so while there were results to speak of, uh, I think they just failed to be in sync with uh, each other's uh, philosophies of uh, managing or running a team. So I think that's why that, you know, you know they fell apart. Um, so I think... Um, yeah, I think it's important for the, the captain um, to, you know, be willing to take on board what uh, the coach brings to the table in terms of strategizing for a, for a particular match or for a tour. And you need to be open and you need to be uh, open to the idea of, you know, even if it is, even if it may be a, a very, very, um, it may seem outlandish at that time, like, like you just said, with um, uh, Arun calling Shastri and saying, let's cut off the offside and let's, you know, focus on middle, focus on their body, focus on middle and leg, try to bring the leg side into play a lot more for Australia. Um, I think it needs your bowling group as such to come into the picture 
So it's not just, uh, I think the captain, I think the entire senior management, the entire senior t- uh, players need to bind to the, the philosophy. And uh, that's when certain ideas work. And uh, that's how the idea of uh, Rohit Sharma opening the batting also uh, kind of came about came about for the first time because here he was um, at the crossroads of his um, career. I think in the 2018 tour of England, Rohit Sharma was dropped. Uh, and he was obviously a senior player in white ball cricket then, an established white ball cricketer, multiple time IPL winner uh, as captain. Uh, but in the test matches, he was dropped. Uh, so, so the selectors categorically said he was dropped. And that was one of the rare instances of a selector actually saying that a senior player has been dropped because he's, he hadn't done well in the tour of South Africa before that. So, so Rohit Chenna was at the crossroads. Um, Ravi Shastri was the coach. Uh, obviously, they went through that England tour uh, with KL Rahul at the top. Shikhar Dhawan started and I think... Uh, yeah, so th- those two started there. Uh, so Rohit had no way to break into the test match team. So there were just two options that he had to, um, in front of Ro- Ravi Shastri, if Rohit had to play. And one of it was to get him to open the batting. And it was just, he'd, he'd done the job for so many years in one-day cricket since 2013. So I think uh, he just put across a simple uh, question to him and said, where do you see your test career five years from now? And obviously, um, Rohit Sharma was taken aback by that. So... So, and then he told him that, you know, one of the things that I feel you can do is open the batting in test. You've done that in one-day cricket. There's no reason why you can't do it in test cricket. So, so that was when the idea was mooted. And obviously, it needed, uh, it, it, it needed Virat Kohli to also buy into the idea because you already had uh, someone like, um, you were already developing a second line of openers like Prithvi Shaw had already, um, you know, made a mark in India A. So he was knocking on the door. You had Mayank Agarwal who was knocking on the door and who just already come in, in fact, and uh, had a roaring start to his international career. So you've already developed two openers there. Of course, there's Shikhar Dhawan who, who hadn't yet gone away, but he was still around. There was Murli Vijay who was still around. And he'd been really, really uh, uh, prolific. So you you already had a group of openers. Now you you want to bypass all that and get this X-Factor player, this big match winner who hasn't got a very good test record un- up until now, but you want, and you know that he can do it. So, so you bring him in uh, and that needs um, the the senior players and the, the captain and the vice captain and the coaches to kind of bring that all together and agree upon the idea. So, so yeah, Rohit Sharma opening was one of those decisions that probably has worked so far. The leg side trap that's worked so far. So it needs a group of players and not just one individual to kind of buy into the idea. I think that's a really good point because um, it's about the complementary nature to, to your example of Kumle and Kohli not working. Um, one of the things we read about the English team was uh, Trevor Bayless is, you know, kind of similar to Paddy Upton, a hands-off coach, um, not somebody who's always always likes to be in charge. And luckily, England found somebody complementary to that in Owen Morgan, who's who's very much hands-on, who loves to be constantly talking to the to Nathan Lehman, the analyst, and, and understanding various aspects and, and you know putting his footprint sort of on the team. Um, so I think having that understanding is, is very important. And, and I think it almost reminds me of one of the questions that was asked to Rahul Dravid himself when uh, Anil Kumle was fired, or uh, rather he resigned. Um, and uh, Dravid's point was, if you have a coach, uh, if you have a captain rather, who you know is going to be there for a while, then you should find a coach that works with a captain rather than trying to find somebody who's innovative and who's you know uh, trying to uh, trying to bring in twenty new ideas. Because at the end of the day, if those twenty ideas are not accepted by by the senior management, not just the captain but other senior players, then it's not going to be a marriage that's going to be successful. The counterpoint to that was you know the whole. Uh, issue between Kevin Peterson and Andy Flower, like that affected the entire team and arguably their performances too. And in that case, I think both of them had to go, right? Isn't that what happened? Both Kevin Peterson, he lost his captaincy and I think they replaced Andy Flower or something like that. So I I don't think that... With Kevin Peterson, it was Peter Moores who had... Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And he had yeah, issues with Andy Flower too, but 
yeah, that that's that's another personality that who's had a bunch of issues. But I think, yeah, I think Andy Flair was more during Strauss's time. No, it does raise a good point though, because you know Shashank Kalsi was, uh, you know, you you mentioned Kumble, um, you know, all the results that he got, but ultimately what happened? He because of issues with Kohli, he had to leave, and then with Shastri, you know, there, you know. Right now, there are a lot of praises for him about, you know, what all the things that he has achieved with the team. But then you look at the results in broad terms, yes. And we'll talk about the numbers in a bit. Um, they won a lot of games, but ultimately that lack of trophies still hurts. It, it hurts the Indian team. It hurts the Indian team fans. So how do we ultimately, how do we ultimately judge a coach is what I'm trying to get at. I think in test cricket they they were phenomenal. I mean they 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 beat Australia twice in Australia. They they've got a lead in England now, two one, which could potentially be two three one. So they can't lose the series basically. The test match that's going to be played next year. Um, they had one off series in New Zealand, but that's that happens on green wickets where you can't distinguish the pitch and the outfield. Most teams will struggle. So so they've largely been very good in test cricket. Uh, but what i would like to see and uh, there are a few things of course everyone's you know uh, praising shastri as they should and he has developed this team well over the last few years but there there have also been a few cases of uh, players falling apart completely and i'm not saying this is because of the coach but it's has led me to wondering if the coach could have done something better or if he could have you know worked a way around or done something differently uh, that's the better way to put it. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, and first one's a most obvious one. It's the Ambati Raidu example. Uh, 2019 World Cup, you prepare a, your number four. Uh, all the tours preceding the World Cup, Raidu is your number four. You've given him the opportunities. Uh, he's done really well. Uh, you know, And he scores a 90-odd leading into the, the last series before the World Cup selection in New Zealand on a tough wicket. He comes into bat. I think India three down for 20 or something. He comes in top scores with 91 or something and India wins. So, so he's been built up as your number four batsman for a year in the build-up to the World Cup. Uh, at every media conference, the captain or the coach uh, goes on to say that, you know, we've identified a number four. And then suddenly you've got one home series where Raidu just doesn't do well or maybe two or three innings, I think, um, in that home series against Australia where he didn't score the kind of runs he would. Uh, and then suddenly your number four is just uh, asked to go, uh, shockingly, uh, two months before a World Cup. And suddenly he isn't your number four. So so if he wasn't your number four or if you did not have the kind of confidence in him, then were you? could you have been better served by grooming somebody else for that position over the last one year? Or if you believe that the number four was the number four uh, in, in this case, Raidu. Could you have just carried on with him, given him that go at the World Cup and then look to make a change? So that was one incident that kind of was a very jarring one because ultimately, if you see in that semi-final against New Zealand, it was a top order collapse that cost India the match. Uh, you They were three down for nothing, nine for three or something, something like that. And a stable number four, coming in there would have made a bit of a difference uh, as compared to say, you know, what ultimately happened. So that's one example. So the Raidu example is one. Could they have handled that situation better? Second one is Kuldeep Yadav. Kuldeep Yadav was this enigma when he came along with Yuzvendra Chahal. You know, India decided that, you know, traditional finger spin is gone. Wrist spin is the new thing. We will back wrist spinners. And Kuldeep and uh, Chahal delivered results exceptionally for a two-year window, a better part of the two years, to the extent that when India won in Australia in 2019, Shastri even went on to say that uh, Kuldeep is your number one spinner uh, in test cricket overseas also. So, and with Ashwin kind of performing the way he did as well. So, what happened to Kuldeep after that? He can't get a game. He can't get test match. He couldn't get into the one-day team. He lost form. He lost confidence to the extent that he was even left out of his IPL team where Varun Chakravarti was preferred over him. So, 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 so Kuldeep Yadav's handling, I think that could have been slightly better as well. 
Um, uh, so, so there are a few instances where you've seen players who've done exceptionally well. Rishabh Pant, for example, when the opposite direction, uh, at the end of the IPL in 2020, Rishabh Pant was a mess. Uh, he wasn't scoring runs. Uh, he His batting form had dipped to the extent that, you know, it was almost inevitable you could see him get out when he walked out of the wicket. Um, and then um, he went to Australia. Shastri said he was carrying excess baggage and they asked him to, they categorically told him to lose weight and improve his fitness. Uh, he took time off uh, for the two months before the series. I mean, uh, a, a month or so in quarantine where he, you know, worked really hard and on his fitness and at the gym. And you saw what he did in the test series. He hit yeah. the winning runs at the GABA and India won. And then Rishabh Pant's career has just taken off completely. Now he's an IPL captain. So, so, so there are cases where players have developed. There are cases where players have gone backward, like Kuldeep and with the Raidu episode. So, so, so yes, while a lot of focus is on the wins and how the culture that he developed, I think um, it's also it's also important to point out where you could potentially look for answers. And I think India have no answers yet on these two, and there are a few other cases as well. So, so I think you look back at a tenure and of a coach and you want to look at the goods, but you also have got to take in what prob probably did not work and ensure that that does not happen, um, you know, going forward. Uh, it's not about uh, fault finding. Uh, it's not about a vendetta or it's not about, uh, you know, uh, bringing out uh, things out in the open uh, to, you know, put things against a, co a coach or put things for a coach. I think it's just about finding a balance between what worked, what didn't, and if it didn't, ensure that, you know, when the next coach comes in, and in this case, Nagul Dravid, uh, ensure that this does not happen once again. And a player is given a long rope, a player is given security, a player knows where he stands exactly. And um, yeah, go forward. Uh, and talking on those lines, I think uh, with the Indian squad for the New Zealand uh, T20s just announced, you know, you saw Venkatesh Ayer there uh, being picked straight out of half an IPL season, you know, he did wonders in that half a season and he's just been picked straight away. And you don't know if he's been picked as an opener. Uh, you don't know if he's been picked as a finisher because Hardik Pandya is not there. So we're all assuming at the moment that he's a finisher because he can also bowl a few overs. So, so as long as the, the coach and the captain give him the clarity, look, this is your role. You played as an opener in the IPL and you've got most success there. But in the Indian team, we've got Rohit and Rahul already there as an opener. You've got Ishan Kishan as a backup. So we don't potentially see you as an opener. You've got to be a finisher. So that will need uh, Ayer to kind of tailor his game again differently. So as long as the decision is communicated to him, I think it's all good. So, so yeah, I think it's important as coaches to, as much as you talk about your stats and numbers and records and stuff, I think you've got to be clear communicators firstly. And there have been cases where that hasn't always been a strong point in Indian cricket. So it's about learning what's gone um, what's gone wrong and trying to uh, implement and iron that better going forward. And it's about taking the goods of what's come good in the last few years uh, and make it even better. You know, when um, in the early days when Ravi Shastri uh, was coach, and this was in that second phase, you know, after uh, the 2017 Champions Trophy. Uh, so when he was appointed, I have to admit, um, I, I, I posted this tweet saying that Ravi Shastri is like a glorified cheerleader in the Indian team, you know, where Virat Kohli is running the show. And now when I look back, it just seems like one of the uh, dumbest things I tweeted, because when I read about all the behind the scenes work that he's been doing with. Uh, the players and how he's worked with the other coaches, you know, the bowling coaches, the fielding coaches, uh, the environment that they created and the legacy that, you know, uh, Shastri has left behind. You know, we haven't talked about the fast bowling stocks that we have in Indian cricket now, which is, it's almost unthinkable, which was unthinkable probably a few years ago. Uh, now, you know, the Indian fast bowlers are competing with, they can compete with anyone in the world. And for that matter, they can be considered the best as a group. So all of this, um, you know, and, and you talked about Rishabh Pant, like uh, I read an article, I'm going to try to find it and link it to our show notes later, where um, it, it, there was an incident where Rishabh Pant 
um, he played a very good knock, and I think it was a second or third test, but he holed out uh, to Nathan, Nathan Lyon. And when he came back, you know, all the players were, you know, clapping and cheering him, but Shastri sat in a corner sulking because he had specifically told Rishabh Pant to kind of, you know, be patient, don't, you know, don't get a rush of blood. Um, it was just a small thing. You know, he didn't have to go and tell him or pull him up for anything. It was just his way of communicating to Rishabh Pant that he was, you know, he was disappointed with him. And then what we saw in that final test was Rishabh Pant making sure he was there till the end. So those are the kind of touches. Those are the things that you can't be trained to, to be a coach. Nobody can teach you to be a coach in that sense. So that was just excellent knowledge of, you know, just how to manage players um, with the right amount of planning strategy and making sure you're working in sync with the captain. So there are so many things that goes into being an international coach and specifically an Indian senior team coach. Um, so now that Rahul Dravid is coming in as the coach, um, what are the indications? What, what are the sense that you get? Uh, how different do you think his approach is going to be from Ravi Shastri? I think the goal is the same. It's to carry forward uh, the momentum that's built around the Indian Test Match team and ensure that they continue to stay on top. And it's also about trying to unwire a few things as far as their one-day and T20 game goes. Uh, we've seen for a long time that India have deviated from the very model that brought them success in T20 cricket. So when T20 cricket was just starting out in 2007, India sent a young team, which is full of players who would, you wouldn't otherwise pick for any format or, you know, put them all in into the same 11. And the result was that, you know, a team that had zero expectations uh, defied everything else and went on to win the tournament. And India haven't come close to winning a World Cup since then. Right. And the, one of the reasons is that the T20 game has become an extension of the one-day game. Uh, and you've seen that middle overs phase where there's a consolidation. And you've never seen that dash of madness that you see up front in a one-day cricket that probably a Sehwag or a Tendulkar brought to the fore early uh, 2000s for India. So that dash of madness in T20 cricket has been missing for a long time. And it only came back when India were knocked out of the World Cup and you saw Rahul and uh, Rohit Sharma going after the bowling and looking to set games up for net run rates. So, so my question, uh, my thinking is that uh, could this have been done earlier? Uh, could this have been wired differently? Uh, so I think it's about ensuring that you carry forward the momentum of Test cricket while reimagining and reinventing yourself in the in the white ball space. So I think Dravid's uh, aware of that. W one thing that uh, uh, will stand India in good stead is he is completely aware of the uh, you know the the uh, the supply chain that comes the the assembly line that follows. So, uh, because he's worked with all these guys at the under 19 and India A level. Uh, so right. he, he is, he's got information about these players at the back of his hand. He knows about their injury histories. He knows much about their past, uh, the form that they're in, what works for them, what doesn't. So I think, uh, he will ensure that, uh, you know, the best out of every player is brought, brought out in that particular, for that particular format. So I think, uh, it's exciting times. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy for him. It's going to be a cakewalk for him just because he's a former great. We've seen in the past that great cricketers don't necessarily make great coaches. It's about the ideas and it's about how you want to implement those ideas. And I think um, in that sense, I think Rahul Ravid's definitely got the capability to buck that trend and ensure that um, you know Indian cricket takes off. Uh, you're at one point. You're, you're at a takeoff point now. So Hopefully with, you know, uh, two more ICC trophies in the next two years, hopefully that will potentially change under Rahul Ravid. So I think um, we've talked a lot about Ravi Shastri, the current management and coaching in general as well. Um, and as much as I'm appreciative of the current, um, or I should say, the outgoing batch of coaches in Bharataran, um, Ravi Shastri and then Arsh Sridhar, uh, who've done you know a fantastic job, whether it's understanding fast bowlers' biomechanics and workloads and things like that, um, as well as just you know clarity in players' role or expectations, as as Benny's example pointed out with Rishabh Pant. The one one aspect where I felt they fell a little short was um, their interaction with the media. 
And I think um, that's where I'm, I would love to have your opinion as well, because I, I remember this press conference where Shastri specifically called out Siddharth Monga of uh, the Crick Info. And I think it just left a bad taste. And uh, that was sort of followed by, you know, MS Dhoni doing the same, um, Arashman doing the same, Rahani's done the same, Virat Kohli's done the same, where, you know, they've uh, acted as if media is their enemy. And, and to be fair to them, there are a lot of media outlets out there which will ask very, very um, obnoxious questions or, or uh, you know, try to act as the expert in the room. Um, so even considering that in mind, there were certain situations which could have been handled better. And I think that relationship um, could have been, you know, set in, set, up, set in a better example. Um, what are your thoughts about that and uh, how that's changed over the last five years or so? I mean, players often say they don't read what's written in the media. And if they don't really read what's written, then obviously they're not going to react the way they do. Uh, at media conferences or at any other events or, you know, at a formal uh, interaction. So it's clear that, uh, you know, you are reading something that that's- Or really they don't necessarily need to read. Someone will be telling them, <laughs> like their friend yeah, or a family member, but like, hey, do you know what they- A link of the tweet or a link of the piece yeah. or a link of an article that someone's written against you or for you or whatever. So I think the players need to understand that, um, you know, and I've clearly seen this that, you know, some teams have this uh, notion that, you know, when you're on tour and there is a group of journalists that are traveling from, um, you know, your country, they, it's almost like they're your team. I mean, that, that's been, that's, that, that's the way it is with Bangladesh. I mean, example, that they, their players look at their journalists and say that most these, these guys are the extension of our team. That's clearly not true. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that may be true, but that's not how it should be. Right. I mean, so, so I think uh, the relationship between players and the media is a long-standing one. I mean, players have looked at the media as enemies. I think when you learn to embrace it, the day they learn to embrace it and they, the day they know that the media is there to do a job uh, and not necessarily get personal, I think that's when things will change. Unfortunately, they haven't. And also the media is, uh, the, the, the media management could be a lot lot better. I mean, you, you, you need to be a little more... Um, open about certain issues. I mean, one of the reasons why you've got a lot of these source-based reporting and one of the reasons why you've got this, he, share, he said, uh, this unnamed source said this or said that is because a lot of information is not coming through clearly. Let's take a look at the Hardik Pandya example. Was he injured? Was he not injured? If he was injured, how long was he allowed to, you know, how long would it have taken for him to recover? If he was undergoing rehab or if he wasn't being able to bowl was there a backup that was thought for him these are questions that we have no answers to i mean it's been uh three years now since hardik pandya hurt his back in that asia cup in 2018 in uae against pakistan there was a world cup that's followed then there's a t20 world cup two years later that's come and gone hardik pandya still con continues to have that back issue so for three years Nobody has given a proper medical bulletin on Hardik Pandya, except the fact that he's had one surgery in London to, to, to repair the back, but nothing after that. I mean, what is his workload like? What is his rehab program like? All it takes is one consolidated uh, media statement, or it takes one consolidated update from the concerned person, whether it's the physio, whether it's the trainer, to kind of just spell it out there. Uh, so uh, that's been um, lacking. Uh, unfortunately, communication has never been a strong point. And that's, I, so that's where I, I hope that there is a bit of change uh, under Dravid because in the past, he's spoken a lot about how in his playing days, he necessarily did not agree with certain things written about him or his batting form. But at the end of the day, uh, he did not take that personally against the journalist. And I've, I've, I'm personally aware of quite a few uh, senior journalists in the fraternity who are very, very cordial with Dravid uh, and who know him pretty well. And who've also had uh, at times written about things that probably uh, Dravid may not find it pleasant on, upon first reading. But as long as it was never personal, I think he said he was absolutely fine with it. So, so, so I think that understanding is, is the key. 
and in today's day and age the players are surrounded by so many of these you know to use that hindi word chamchas um uh, uh, you know who feed them information who feed them things that they should know they should uh, all the time and the kind of people who want to kind of stick on to certain players just to kind of get some benefit out of it in whatever way whether it's in in a form of an interview whether it's in the form of a um you know attending an event that they are organizing or whatever i mean there are quite a few people um uh, uh who who try and do that um so 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 and they will always kind of um, feed information to players about certain things written about them and said about them it's up, it's up end of the day it's up to the players to kind of filter things out and ensure that what they see and what they are reading and what what the reality is are different things i mean as long as an, that understanding doesn't come from the player itself i think it's really difficult so so under dravid i hope that um, that will change slightly if not a great deal and also a lot of these young cricketers coming through today um uh need that media training need the the training about a, a little bit of formal training about how things work how press conferences work because it's no coincidence that the same set of guys are so articulate um outside and the moment they come into the uh four walls of the indian team whether it's the under 19 or the 18 and then they give an interview or then they speak obviously you know the entire uh, thing is thrown toned down uh, they become the clichés of the you know cliche machines as you call it so so there's something about it that uh, needs to be done and uh, needs to get better and i think hopefully uh, under dravid things could potentially improve on that front yeah i i i am very hopeful uh, about the upcoming tenure of of dravid you know i will miss the uh, bombastic <laughs> ravi shastri uh, always great stories you know whenever you know any any articles any stories about ravi shastri are always you know entertaining uh, but he also did a tremendous amount of work I, I, so I'll, i'll definitely miss that part but i'm also looking forward to um rahul dravid because like you mentioned earlier he's worked with a lot of these players you know over the years so he's going to come in with a, a a fair amount of familiarity with most of these players which i hope will translate to performances and outcomes and uh i i hope uh, and it, i i do feel it's going to be slightly different you're not going to hear uh, uh you know like shastri said wear the 36 like a badge i doubt that dravid will say any statements like that he'll probably be let's you know go back to the board and let's look at the numbers and see what we can do um but i think you know especially the the way the t20 world cup ended for uh the indian team and all of the shortcomings which are we've already talked about um i hope someone as cold and not cold more dispassionate like dravid would be able to you know leave emotions out of it and you know have a proper plan so as an indian cricket team fan i'm very hopeful uh for the future under rahul dravid but obviously uh we'll see in the months uh and years to come so shashank uh thank you so much for your time today uh it was it was really informative you know the role of the coach like like i mentioned at the top of this episode um you know every cricket fan knows a kind of like a broad understanding of what a coach is and who the coach is but there are just so many different things that go on behind the scenes you know working with the captain working with other coaches just highlighted by the examples of the shastris and the flemings and the jayawardenas so uh thank you for coming and just sharing your thoughts on it and um yeah um we're looking forward to more stories from you about uh the indian team under dravid thanks guys yeah good fun uh, talking about cricket first thing in the morning uh, i think that's <laughs> nothing like it to get your day going in isn't it is the first thing in the morning for you it's the last thing in the day for us because it's uh, 11 o'clock at night so both work pretty well starting the day with cricket ending the day with cricket sir yes per- perfect way <laughs> so shashara thank you thank you so much thanks benny thanks mayank well that's it for this episode of the last wicket 
Thanks again to Shashank for joining us, and do follow him on Twitter, where he goes under the handle at Captain Shanky. Meanwhile, if you enjoy this conversation, do rate and subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. Follow us on your social media feeds, and tell your friends. Thank you for listening, and from all of us here at the Last Wicket, stay safe and stay healthy.